This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. Maybe it's time you called Red Energy on 131 806. And Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world. What can I say? It's joyful, it's playful, it's respectful. You know, which Fleet Street journalist really is going to trash A, Lilibet or B, Diana when the Queen has given her approval. Not surprised, but so sad to see that Adam Goods has rejected an invitation really from the AFL to become a member of the Australian Football Hall of Fame. On so many levels, it's an absolute tragedy. Carol, he spoke for 90 minutes. Don't you think you'd just be saying to the waiter, another shardy, please? People were applauding him, although apparently they didn't applaud him so much when he said that he'd done a terrific job with the coronavirus. But he said lots of stupid things. This is so corny and so schmaltzy, and I never thought I would say it. But you asked me a tip about getting through lockdown, and I've I've only got one tip, and that's buy a puppy. I am absolutely head over heels in love with this little puppy. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Hello, our lovely potties, and a special hello to everyone in Victorian lockdown stage four, which we hope is coming to an end very soon. Uh, we hope you're all doing okay. I'm Corey Perkin, and I'm here with my Don't Shoot the Messenger buddy in arms, Caroline Wilson. Happy birthday for the other day, Caro. Pleasure. I mean, sorry. Thank you, Corey. That's very kind of it's you to say that. It's a pleasure being you, um, being me. It, look, it's, you know, um, it, it was, I spent my birthday at Footy Classified and they were a lovely bunch of blokes, um, you know, and they gave me a cake at the end of the show. Uh, what can I say? It probably wasn't the most memorable birthday I've ever had, but everyone was very nice. I had lots of lovely calls and... I'm just looking forward to at some point being able to celebrate with you and other friends when, well, I mean, it does seem like um, we're, we're going to have a weekend. It sounds like we're going to have at least a bit more freedom over the long weekend. We're speaking to you just before that. Um, we now know that, isn't it funny, they do sound, as Ross Stevenson said on radio the other day, like a Robert Ludlam novel, these new strains of coronavirus. The Delta <laughs> effect, the Gamma syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> the kappa. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Look, um, there's a whole new there's a there's a whole new language, of course, that we have to unpack when this lockdown is over. Because I did say to somebody uh, a couple of days ago, if I hear the word resilient or resilience one more time, I'm going to stick a knitting needle in my ear. <laughs> if you don't mind me saying, Corrie, I don't reckon we said unpack. 10 years ago either. But anyway, I agree. Um, And I'm also just, you know, so disappointed that yet another sort of, not really a hotel quarantine stuff up, but a disappointing situation. Having been in quarantine, it's just so weird that this guy who'd come back from Sri Lanka tested negative when he came out of quarantine and again three days later. And yet, you know, a week later, he's positive. I mean, it's just so disappointing. It's disappointing and it's almost unbelievable. It just seems like a very sneaky virus. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later. And also we have a terrific show for everyone today. You have been watching a cracker of a series. Uh, Obviously not going to the picture theatre but having fun at home. You've also cooked something gorgeous, Caro, so you'll share the recipe. I've read a terrific book. And uh, we've got Miles Thompson from The Cocktail Cabinet and Prince Wine Store coming along. And we do want to thank Prince Wine Store and also our show supporters, Red Energy. As we know, 100% Australian electricity and gas. And we're very excited that you guys are with us too. It's so cold, thank goodness for Red Energy. My heater here at home is blasting away. Housekeeping, apologies, a correspondence. Caro, we had a lovely note from Anne Schiller via email. Hi, Caro and Corrie, and welcome back, Caro. I just wanted to thank you both for your recipe recommendations over the past few weeks. Tonight we had Corrie's crab linguine, yum, and Monday night I made Caro's corn and halloumi fritters. Both meals were delicious and a hit with the family and so easy to put together. Love listening to you every week. Well, thank you, Anne. We love hearing correspondence like that. We, it's always a bit of a relief, Carol, isn't it, when the recipe actually works for someone oh, else? Your, um, your crab linguine um, is not as rich as the one my mum makes, which I, I absolutely love as well, and much more simple. And we made it the other night too. 
It was absolutely delicious. And that um, Cornish book that um, I gather is going off like hotcakes out of your bookshop, I'm very much looking forward to having a look at myself. Anna from the op shop, I think, pick one up. And um, while I'm on the subject of Anna, I owe her an apology. She claims I was a Bay City Rollers fan and thinks I have selective memory. I have absolutely no memory of liking any of their songs. I might have worn a tartan kilt because mum made us when we were kids. And I might have even liked tartan scarves, Corrie, but I don't remember ever singing along to Bye Bye Baby. Anna says I did, so I need to at least acknowledge that she wants people to know that she's not a complete liar. It sounds like she's giving you rats in the kitchen. What did you? What did Anna and Caro fall out about all those years ago? Oh, it was over the Bay City Rollers drama. Well, do you know? For the first time in a long time, I said, Anna, we're going to have to beg to differ. I love hearing from our friend Joanna Weir, who has sent another lovely message. Um, she says her bedside table's overflowing with your book recommendations, Corrie. She loves a cocktail cabinet, don't we all, at the moment? We've got, we've got a really good topic today, Joanna. It is a winter dozen, and I suspect it's going to be largely coloured in red. Um, she would love to have a chat with us, and she wants you to ask Corrie, your mate from Who Fish, to give her the heads up on what's hot and what's not for winter. She wants to zap up her wardrobe. Oh, Joanna, I love a task like that. Leave it to Beaver. I'll be there. Uh, Caro, just uh, you talking about your slightly embarrassing altercation or difficult altercation with Anna from the op shop. I'm thinking about a rather amusing conversation you and I had when we were walking a few days ago regarding the regarding Mayor of Easttown, the wonderful new series with Kate Winslet. Would you like to reveal to messengers <laughs> what that discussion was about and well, what actually I actually said in my review it's a really good show I thought some of the continuity was a little bit odd and you know certain storylines sort of disappeared never to come back you actually revealed to me a scene that I could not remember and then you actually we worked out that in fact I had missed the entire episode six which is a pivotal episode because it's a penultimate episode episode it only goes for seven episodes and you'll be happy to hear Corrie that um I was so distraught about the loss of one particular character and how dreadfully they sort of just ignored his passing I was very happy to see it wasn't ignored at all and I watched episode six and realized I'd missed an entire thread of the uh, plot so I, seem, so I seem to remember somebody last year having a laugh at my expense because I said that we'd watched the Bureau and gone click-click through the whole kind of SBS Netflix or whatever it was on scenario, episode, episode, and clicked on the wrong image, which actually turned out to be the final episode, not the first. And with my, with my husband, <laughs> Pete, saying, this is really me, obscure. <laughs> this is really obscure. It's really hard going, oh, no, it's the French. Because, you know, they always have complicated and obscure plots. And Pete's going, this is so difficult. And then we got to the end of it and it said that was the end of the series. We were devastated. And when I told you on the podcast, I do remember there was a little laugh, a bit of mirth at my expense. So yes, um, stamps right. back. There you go. Now, Lisa Mayer from Insta, on Instacaro has said that she didn't enjoy footy classified while you're away. So I didn't bother as the blokiness was irritating me. Last week's episode was fabulous. You were back, Caro. Thank God they let you out straight into lockdown. <laughs> Sorry, well, anyway, that's been a right. bit of chat That's about right. That Although show. when you've been in quarantine, lockdown is actually not that bad, I've got to say. I think that's probably right. Better to at least you can do five kilometres and you can do a bit of a walk. Now, Caro, we cannot have this 175th episode without noting the arrival of a new royal baby, Baby Sussex. What are your thoughts about Baby Lilibet, known to be known as Lily? I guess that's right. I guess she's been christened Lilibet. I'm actually a bit confused. Lilibet Diana. Mountbatten well, Windsor. I, you know, I think it's um, it's a very big nod to the Queen that they've called her after the Queen's pet name from when she was a little girl. And I think Margaret always called her Lilibet, didn't she? And I think her mum did too. Is it a little bit sort of, you know, sucking up to the Queen, do you think? <laughs> do you think well, it's a little bit cheeky? I mean, there has been that response, hasn't there? Well, well my first thought was... Uh, it took me back to, well, an old anecdote of years ago when you and I know somebody who'd named their child after uh, someone. Somebody. It was a rather pretentious yes. move and we just went, you know, are they joking? But And we won't go any further with that anecdote. But 
in this particular situation, when I first saw it the other morning on my news feed, I thought, well, that's it. They've just lost all of England. That is the dumbest career move the Sussexes have ever made. But I was then reassured that they had talked about it with members of the royal family, including the Queen herself, who thought it was a pretty good idea. So, look, what can I say? It's joyful, it's playful, it's respectful. Uh, I mean, and also, you know, which Fleet Street journal- journalist really is going to trash A, Lilibet or B, Diana when the Queen has given her approval? What I did love about it, Carol, is it does push Prince Andrew, the Duke of York, back into um, ninth spot in line for the throne. So I was rather pleased about that. Yes, I think poor old Andrew's just going to be the forgotten royal um, not too long from now. And look, main point, Corrie, they had a, seem to have had a healthy baby girl, which you're always very happy about. And it's a pretty name and she's going to be Lily anyway. So really no, no big deal there. Well done to them. Who knows what path those two will take. Um, I guess we'll find out from Oprah when she next talks to um, Harry. Well, yes, and also we're, we're, we're looking forward to seeing Harry uh, when he appears in July or he's scheduled to appear for the unveiling of this statue of his mother, which is um, something that everybody is looking forward to in the UK, uh, a big event, and uh, he has said he'll be beside his brother William when they do that in July. Caro, just a quick touch, uh, touch on lockdown. Uh, I'm a bit tired of talking about how we're going because I'm really fed up with it. But I wondered whether in this particular lockdown you'd come across any new ways of doing things or any new tips to get you through the day? Well, I I think um, flat and fed up is um, probably the best way to describe it, Corrie. Most people I talk to in my circle from you know, my mother down to children, down to friends, everybody just feels flat this time around. Um, obviously, there was a, looking back, there was a bit of novelty the first time around, and that sounds really disrespectful to people who were homeschooling and, you know, locked up in housing commission flats or in abusive relationships or just losing their businesses. But for people who were able to keep working like me, there was a sense of novelty. I think everyone's been a bit depressed by this, particularly given that it's coincided with the start of winter and some really horrible weather. Um, I think it's been more divisive than ever and even though there's no one really to blame this time, it seems, there is just a sense of why the hell is it Victoria again? And um, a real sense of anxiety, I think. And, you know, I've seen that reflected in the in the industry I cover, which is footy, and, you know, Gillan McLaughlin assuring the players they will do everything they can to avoid going into hubs again. And, um, you know, part of me was sort of a bit impatient with some of the complaints from footballers, given what other people are going through. But I guess it, it must be really, really tough for them as well. And they remember last year, some left for a month and ended up being gone from home for four months. So uh, in terms of tips, look, my, um, my, my tip really is just to try and keep busy. But I think the sense of inertia has been really addictive around all the people I know and really hard to um, sort of shake ourselves out of. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and it's coincided with, uh, with the start of winter too. I, uh, last year, I, as you remember, I had a cranky tummy toward the end of lockdown and when I was able to go and see a specialist, I did. I was convinced I had something awful going on. And in fact, when he examined my diet, he realised that I was having so few vegetables. I was very proud of the fact that when I was busy driving books around and trying to keep fit, but not in a routine and trying to keep healthy, I was having fish and spinach about four nights a week and not a lot of vegetables. And he said, you have to have 30 vegetables a week. And so since I've been doing that, as I have bored you and the Cornish walkers on every walk ad nauseum about my stomach. But it's just been so much better. It's the best bit of advice I can give anyone. So I have really tried this time to pack every day full of vegetables. So that would be my new tip for lockdown. That's thing you are. That's very impressive. Well, well it's just, it, it just makes sense because I think sometimes we do get in a bit of a fug with our shopping and our cooking and sometimes you're just going for the easy option and it might be healthy, it might not be, but we've got to think about diversity of vegetables, not just having the same two or three things. I um, came home um, 
from Footy Classified on Monday night with, you know, said chocolate cake that was presented to me on the show. And it was pretty late and Brendan was still working. He'd had a really long day, my husband. And I said, I don't suppose you want a piece of chocolate cake? He said, I haven't had dinner. So <laughs> his dinner was a piece of chocolate cake See, and two dry biscuits. So no. I don't think that, I don't think your doctor would be all that impressed. But no, I guess, no, no. Um, no, he's, he's had a more of a balance. And look, we've been lucky enough to be living with um, my daughter Clementine, and she has been cooking up a storm. So, um, and one of those recipes, as I said, as you said earlier, is going to be um, my F, my food for the week. So, no, look, I'm just glad that restrictions are easing, and I think the government have sensed how frustrated and unhappy people are. And let's just hope uh, the good news continues. Caro, it has been a big week in football. I hate to use that cliche, but I've been watching in particular Collingwood and Carlton and two great Victorian clubs and they are in such a mess, the two of them. Can you tell me what's going on with both of them? Well, there's a few messes um, as we speak, Corrie. Yeah, the Collingwood Civil War looks like it's going to drag on and on. Jeff Brown has decided to dig in. I'm sure there was a sense of, oh, dear, I thought they might go quietly um, I thought I could do a deal, but he, he couldn't. You know, this, this board has decided to stick fat, as they say, and stay together. So this is going to drag on for the rest of the season, given the weird rules around clubs and extraordinary general meetings. The club, the board are resisting even um, giving membership details to that member, David Hadley, who's collected the signatures. Nathan Buckley has bought into the saga by saying he backs the current board, which I thought was a crazy decision, but he obviously had reasons to do that, largely, I reckon, partly because they're the ones who are more likely to give him a new contract. I think mm. that's what he thinks anyway. Um, so that is going to drag on for months and months, and it's just extraordinary to see how badly Collingwood have descended into this really nasty war. And, you know, Lee Matthews has come out and said he sees it really as a referendum on the treatment of Eddie Maguire. So as a life member, he's a premiership coach there, he would vote for Jeff Brown simply because the other mob treated Eddie appallingly. Interesting view from Lee Matthews. And you've got all these fathers of great, you know, champion players, well, cha you know, premiership players, Craig Kelly, um, Brownlow medalist Peter Moore, saying that they back Jeff Brown and yet their sons are currently playing for the club. So... Unholy mess. Carlton, on the other hand, um, their coach we thought, or well, people thought was safe. I never really thought he was safe. But now there's a massive review being undertaken by, I think it, they're saying it's under the name of the president, Mark LaDudice, but he's on the way out, partly because of the poor choice of coaches he's made over the time and the failed rebuild, really. So they're having a big review, that, which is being run by PwC, which is Carol, really Carol, interesting. Co coaches often, I mean, having a review of, of, of a coach's role and the whole footy department is not entirely unusual. And coaches can come through. Didn't Damien Hardwick have one in Richmond? Don't they? They can come through this process. Yeah, Nathan Buckley did too, Corrie. You're absolutely right. And um, both those reviews were done along the lines of these auditing situations. But look, there's definitely, we've already seen one Carlton coach go. And he's obviously seen the writing on the wall in John Barker. Um, he resigned earlier this week. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot more go. And I think the fact that... I think that the feeling was that the coach was safe last week in David Teague. I'm not sure now. I think a lot of the players are restless. Look, it's always partly the players' fault, a lot the players' fault. But the players never seem to get the sack. It's always the coach. So why this is interesting, Corrie, is because Alistair Clarkson is hovering in the wings... And other, you know, high-profile coaches, like currently not working as a coach, Ross Lyon, even Chris Scott at Geelong. Now, you would think Carlton, Carlton is in a better position if they want to get rid of their coach and jump because they don't have a board that's divided. They don't have a club divided. So if you were Clarko and you did decide to leave Hawthorne, you wouldn't be going to Collingwood at the moment, would you? Because it's just too risky, given how unstable they are. He's not going anywhere, Caro. So just well, stop pushing I that he, I noticed he said that Sam Mitchell should be careful um, about oh, jumping no. into coaching too quickly. I wonder why he said that, but I think he's right. And just finally on footy, Corrie, um, not surprised but so sad to see that Adam Goods has rejected um, an invitation really from the AFL to become a member of the Australian Football Hall of Fame. 
Oh, he doesn't want I was, any I was part devastated. of I was devastated to hear that news, Carol. I, I mean, maybe time will be a great healer, but gosh, uh, that's just, it's so sad. He, his pain is so palpable, isn't it? And I don't, I don't blame him. And, you know, the people who are running the AFL now are the same people who were running it in terms of Gillan McLaughlin. Richard Goiter was um, not chairman, but he was on the board. And he's not going to come back on their terms. He'll come back into the game in the way he wants to do it, I imagine. And he does occasionally go to the Sydney Swans games when it's part of the charity that he helps run, the Go Foundation with Michael O'Loughlin. But apart from that, he's lost to footy. And you're right, it is just... It, in, in, on so many levels, it's an absolute tragedy. And we'll be talking about it for a long time too, I think, uh, certainly in the, next, in the next couple of weeks. This will be dissected once again, as it should be. What happened? What went wrong? Caro, I need a drink. I don't know about you. And so, Miles, <laughs> time to come on board with the cocktail cabinet. We have Miles Thompson with us, Caro, all the way from Prince Wine Store, also remote. Hello, Miles. Hello, hello. How, can I ask you before we go on to talk about uh, the topic for this week, how's business been for you guys during the lockdown? Well, as an, as an essential operator, it's uh, been very busy. Um, <laughs> we, we always, uh, yes, we're, we're always pretty busy during the lockdown. So everyone wants to uh, make sure they're stocked up. It's good for us. Yeah. Well, you're essential to us, Miles. So what have you got for us today? We were talking... Uh, via email, you and I a couple of days ago about perhaps putting together a winter box of goodies. Yeah, winter mix dozen. So every every month we do a a, a themed mix dozen, and um, for June we have the a winter mix dozen. So it's all, it's all reds. Um, it's worth about three hundred and twenty dollars, but it's um, two hundred and fifty five. So I think it's about twenty percent off. Um, and yeah, it's all reds, just all great sort of winter drinking reds. It's, it's just, um, there's some, you know, local Shiraz and blends and there's some stuff from Spain, um, some Italian wine, real nice little mixed bag. And they're all just sort of perfect for everyday drinking. There's always something quite exciting about having a mystery mixed dozen. And often I find if I ever imbibe upon these, and I'm thinking particularly of the James Halliday over the years, he's often had those specials in the Australian newspaper. And whatever arrives, you, it's often something that you haven't tried before and you become completely glued on. So it's a great experience. Yeah, look, we always try to kind of, you know, we, we always see so much wine, you know, over, over a month or, or a week or whatever it is, and, and we can't always sort of put everything out on our office and things like that so this is a really nice opportunity to to really sort of showcase all the all the bits and pieces that that maybe we haven't advertised that are just all fantastic i mean there's so much great drinking in australia at the moment internationally and local and so this is a really great way to sort of showcase all those things in, in one little box so and what would be your favorite I'm fascinated by the spanish uh red tell us because I, I do really love spanish wine generally whether it's white or red I'm wondering what you're recommending in your mixed dozen for winter. The Ultra Zona Tempranillo. So it's just a really sort of easy drinking, bright, juby, spicy, sort of red fruited Wednesday night wine. Really simple, really delicious, lovely sweet fruit. You know, it's a bit of a sort of no-brainer wine. You could you crack it and, and not have to, what I call the... Uh, the drink, don't think kind of wine. What's a Wednesday What's night a Wednesday wine? Wednesday night wine. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Wednesday night wine. You know, I can go with pizza or pasta or nothing at all. Oh, that's so interesting, Caro. Do you have a? Well, you're on television in the winter, but do you have like a regular hump week kind of meal? I can't really think whether I have a regular Wednesday night. No, no, our sort of our hump day meal tends to be Thursday night. Um, but I know I know that a lot of my kids, well, one of my children, particularly Clementine, always talks about hump day. So I guess it's sort of celebratory. And Miles, what's your best recommendation out of the dozen for a lighter red along the line of, a, I don't know, Beaujolais or a Pinot or something like that? Well, there's, a, there's actually a, a really great wine. It's from a producer called Ophelian. Um, and they're based out of the McLaren Vale, um, and uh, it's 100% Grenache. So it's, it's probably the lightest in the box, um, but it's just fantastic. So it's the Italian Welton Grenache, um, 
and it's uh, these the, these these guys are kind of Grenache specialists. So beautiful, really sort of light, really bright, crunchy red fruits, lovely kind of lifted spice, you know, light medium body, and it's just absolutely delicious. No oak, just really fresh, bright fruit. Um, and like I said, they're sort of Grenache specialists, so it's what they do. And this is um, this is a new wine from them, but it's just absolutely yeah, it's a it's a cracking little red. It's great. I think Sounds I'm going to have to buy. I think I'm going to have to buy a box of this, Caro. This um, perfect winter, Miles's <laughs> perfect winter dozen. We're calling it, I think, aren't we? Yeah. I wish I could say, you know, it was a Wednesday night wine or a Thursday night wine. I mean, at the moment, every <laughs> night it's every night wine. <laughs> every night wine, lockdown wine, lockdown winter yep. dozen. These ones are, are really fun because I'm not. I'm not necessarily. Sometimes they're quite quite themed French mixed dozen or Italian, which are really fun as well. But. This is a really fun sort of like, what are the best things that we've drunk the last little while or that we've seen in the store and sort of put them all in a pack and, and that's what it sort of represents. Well, we're very excited about it too and uh, anybody who would like to uh, grab a pack and, and take advantage of the very kind and uh, wonderful discount, they can go on to princewinestore.com.au. Miles, thank you very much for joining us uh, today. Hopefully next week we'll see you in person. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I feel like I miss that studio now. <laughs> it's become <laughs> part of your routine. Of you say, well, we haven't seen Carol. <laughs> hopefully next week um, we'll be able to walk into your shop and buy wine. Well, I mean, I know you can do oh. that now, but and maybe even go to the restaurant next door. Who knows? Well, that's what we're really hoping, just for the restaurant. We're, we're, we're okay, but we'd love to see Bolotta Bacos open again. So, everyone, if you're interested in uh, purchasing this, just use the promo code MEWS, as in Messenger, when you get, chat, get to the checkout point online. Or, indeed, you can always call Prince Wine Store in South Melbourne to place an order and to have a chat to Miles or Gab or one of the gang there. You can find a link to Prince Wine Store in our show notes. Thank you, Miles, for joining us again for the Cocktail Cabinet. A pleasure. Thank you. Caro, time for Crush of the Week, and you have a crush. Corrie, this is so corny and so schmaltzy, and I never thought I would say it. But you asked me a tip about getting through lockdown, and I've, got, I've only got one tip, and that's buy a puppy. Oh, my heaven, I have the biggest crush on little Queenie. Now, I know I've mentioned her on the podcast before, but she's only 15 weeks old, and... I loved, I loved her when I met her. I thought she was really cute. I loved watching her early shots from over in Amsterdam, and I know you met her way before me. But I've just had my second full weekend with Queenie, and it was a bit of a rainy, wet, cold weekend. I am absolutely head over heels in love with this little puppy. She is the funniest, naughtiest little thing. I've had her in bed with me. I've, we've had her sleeping in the bed next to us. Uh, oh, sorry, not on, on the bed. Next to us in the bedroom when we've been worried about her. With the... I bet she has been on the bed, Caro. Oh, on the bed in the, mo in the morning. We sort of, when we're having our cup of tea, we lift her. <laughs> We lift her into the bed like she's a little baby. She's so sweet. And she puts her little head on Brendan's shoulder or on my tummy. And, oh, Corrie, I tell you what, it has been an absolute gift. And I am so in love with my little Queenie. So that is my crush. And I know well, it's you, corny, but yeah, well, thank you, well, Red and, Energy. And also... And you've given a new meaning to the word crush because you're absolutely crushing my hopes of getting a puppy because when you say that, of course, the prices go through the roof and yet oh, again Corrie. I'll be priced out of the market for my, for my puppy. Where's he, my puppy? Was, Corrie, she was not that expensive, trust me. And we, we were on a waiting list for a long time and it, we got her pretty much a year after we lost Billy, so um, it's just worked out perfectly. I but anyway, on that too. note... We move, we move from crush to BSF and you're going to kick us off with a book. I am, Caro. This is a murder mystery that you will devour in a couple of days. It's easy reading. It's by Australian journalist Catherine Firkin, F-I-R-K-I-N, if people are making any notes there. And She's Catherine a news now, limited journo. She is. She, she now lives in the US and she uh, reports on American politics and all sorts of things on American life uh, for uh, not just uh, Channel 10 here but for other news organisations as well. So she's a bit of a gun for hire. In her spare time, 
Catherine, who lives in New York, has written her second crime novel. Her first one, Sticks and Stones, was released last year during COVID. We felt very sorry for her. Although, interestingly, as I was talking about with Catherine the other day, because we did an event together, lockdown worked out okay for her because, of course, what did we all want to read during lockdown last year and this year? We just want to read easy crime novels. So she's done pretty well. Her second novel, The Girl Remains, arrived on our shelves a few weeks ago. And, Caro, you'll love the setting of this. It's a small coastal town on the Mornington Peninsula. And we go back in time uh, to... It's actually the solving of a cold case. So we go back to 1998, three teenage girls who are, have, have climbed out the window of the home where they're staying and they've gone down to the back beach for a bit of fun and something terrible happens and only two of the girls return. 20 years or more go by and suddenly uh, some bones are found on an isolated beach and the case is opened up again. Could this be the missing girl, Cecilia May's bones? And Detective Emmett Corbin is the man who is going to take us to find the answers. We're in good hands with Detective Corbin. He is like all flawed heroes in a in a in a detective novel he is uh he comes with a few but they're interesting flaws Caro. they're more of the i wish i could be a better father husband variety because he's not not spending a lot of time at home his wife is uh, a news photographer so she also has a busy career and detective emmett corbin is often plagued with thoughts about what he's missing out with his son and his missus it's a really good book it's solid uh, easy to read it's not high literature I think Catherine would be the first to say that but if you want a good easy read Caro over this winter it's The Girl Remains by Catherine Firkin it's a ripper of a book and she has more uh, more novels in her Caro she's writing up a storm she says she really loves it she can't wait for the time when she becomes like Jane Harper and can give up journalism full-time and just write novels. Well, Corrie, this is the second journo in three weeks we've talked about, female Aussie journo, having done Jacqueline Maley's The Truth About Her. I think you and I, well, certainly you need to get your act together and get that novel oh. written. <laughs> well, yes, I know, but mine's not. A, mine's a children's book, Mr Kitten Goes to Town. I don't think he gets stabbed or his bones are found or... Maybe the dog gets him. I don't know. Anyway, Caro, on to the S in BSF, which is screen, and I'm dying to hear what you think about this series. Well, it was, um, I think um, uh, Cornish Walker's WhatsApp recommended it. It's called The Pact. It's another crime drama uh, miniseries. I think it goes, I thought it went for four episodes, but Anna from the op shop told me she'd got to the end of episode four and I said, oh, wow, well, don't tell me what happens, you know, because she said, oh, does, I don't think it's over. <laughs> So who, heaven knows whether she's missed something or whether I've misread something, but The Pact is Welsh. It is, as I said, a crime thriller. It stars a wonderful Scottish actress called Laura Fraser, who you might remember, people who liked Breaking Bad would, and Better Call Saul, that's the spin-off of Breaking Bad, would remember her. Jason Hughes plays her husband. He was one of Inspector Barnaby's sidekicks in Midsummer Murders. And oh, the wonderful save Eddie Young. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry, you it, just lost me. You just lost me at Midsummer Murders. Corrie, he was in Midsummer Murders. Eddie Marsden, <laughs> who you would also absolutely love. I think yeah, I we all Eddie. fell in love with him in um, Little Dorrit, didn't we? Yeah, I love, um, I love Eddie. And it, the main characters are all women. It's about four women, well, actually five, who work at a brewery in Wales. Um, in the first episode, there is a death. All the women are involved. And I don't want to sort of say too much more, but they... They, they're all involved. They make a pact to keep secret what they know. And the story unfolds in so many different directions. It is multi-layered. It is a complete thriller. It involves um, a drunken sort of party at the brewery and what happens at the end of that in the woods nearby, of course, in the woods. Um, every one of these women has a level of stress and problems in their own life. Um, some you don't think are so bad, but they all turn out to be incredibly bad. And this all unfolds. Look, it's 
I really would recommend it. It's on Stan, if you can find Stan, or you can probably find it on Binge or one of those things. But it was recommended in last week's, in the Saturday papers, basically saying, if you're sad that you've lost, you know, Mayor of Easttown is over, go to this one. And I have, and I'm absolutely loving it. Or like Caro, if you miss an episode of Mayor of East Town, just go back and you can watch it. You can watch the one that you miss, so you can keep the keep the experience rolling. I can see that you're not taking the bait on that one. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm looking forward to watching episode four at some point. And I will not make. I will not go straight through to five. Is anyway, it? Is very, it set? Is it show. set in? Is it set in contemporary times? Set in contemporary times. Beautiful Welsh scene. Well, some beautiful Welsh scenery. Um, lovely Welsh town. You know, I'm sort really of feeling good. like a hashtag me too kind of thing happening. Don't give anything away, but that's where my head is going with your plot outline. Well, no, not really. There's a bit of that, but it's more really good that just to see a really strong cast that is mainly made up of females and they're all really, really good performances. Mm, can't wait. Okay, so what have you been eating? What's your food? Well... I'm afraid uh, we, we've gone back to the well again, Corrie, not by design, but Clementine cooked this incredible dish for Sunday night dinner, Sunday night pork noodles. Now, can you just remind me of this beautiful woman's surname, Julia? Julia Basutal Nishimura. So she is from uh, European background, uh, Australia, lives in Melbourne. And she married uh, a Japanese gentleman, so that is her name. Julia Bazutal Nishimura, but people do know her because of the word Ostro, which was her first cookbook. I feel as though she is our Nigella Lawson. She's sort of got those beautiful, beautiful pale pale skin, beautiful big eyes, the dark hair, voluptuous. You just want to go into her kitchen and eat her food, don't you? You do, Caro. I have to say, though, that in terms of food styling and cookbook presentation and also Instagram account, she runs rings around Nigella Lawson. I think what the two cookbooks that Julia has done with Plum, which is a subsidiary of Pan Macmillan Books, they have done an outstanding job with these cookbooks. They are so evocative and beautiful. The photography is great, but aren't the recipes laid out really well? In defence of Nigella Corrie, I've never made a dud recipe from her. They always turn out beautifully. But this one is from the Ostro cookbook that you just mentioned. It involves sober noodles, minced pork, beautifully thinly sliced cabbage, um, I think spring onions, lots of ginger. It is absolute and chilli oil at the end. It is absolutely delicious. And it's on our show notes, but I, I can't remember a better Sunday night dinner it, we absolutely gobbled it up. It was warm. It was hearty. It was just a. It was comfort food at its absolute best. And Clementine assured me. I'm sorry I didn't cook it, but Clementine assured me that it was pretty simple. And she certainly seemed to whip it up pretty quickly. So um, that is uh, pork noodles, and I'm, I will put the recipe on the show notes, Miss Jane. And I've got lovely photos for you as well. Well, I was going to say, if anybody wants to have a sneak preview, a bit of a, a plug for Clemmy Donahue, which is Clem's. Uh, food Instagram account. Anybody can jump on that. You can have a look at it because the photos that she posted the other night, I'm not a huge pork fan, but I was salivating, I have to say. That sounds great. And look, it is it is going to be a bit of a fortnight for the children, Caro, because next week I'm going to get uh, Francesca in Ballarat on our podcast, talking down the phone line and telling us about uh, a curry that she and I both wanted to make. I haven't had time to and she has, so she's going to tell us all about it. And that was BSF for Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Don't forget, potties, call 131 806 for Real Aussie Energy and the Melbourne-based team will help you out with your inquiry. And, Corrie, it's now time also for Red Energy to tell us why you're grumpy this week. Caro, this is a pretty pathetic grumpy. I thought there are so many things to be grumpy about on a serious level that I'm just going to be slightly frivolous. But it is annoying me every night or every day when I watch the acting premiere of Victoria James Molino's press conference with Brett Sutton and Martin Foley, the health minister and all the gang. Why are they now having their press conferences in front of what looks like a jailhouse stairwell backdrop why are all the state government have you noticed that 
What's with that? No. The state government lockdown media conferences are all being held in front of this stairwell. Are they in? Are they trying to give it a hospital feel? It's like they're are they like lockdown meaning jail? When you think of all the <laughs> backdrops, Carol, they're standing and it, it looks drafty. The journalists are all standing. They used to be in that comfortable theatre with Daniel Andrews last year. No, I don't know what it was, some sort of atrium, but now they're in this really sterile. I don't know what the stairwell is. Um, don't see people running up and down, so I'm not sure where they are. But if you think of all the backdrops, Carol, of Victorian Parliament, the beautiful. Um, the grandeur just of the state government building itself, Parliament House, the Treasury Gardens. I know it's a bit cold, but they could all put their coats on and go outside. Even that driveway, you know where Brendan used to park his car and that lovely side entrance to the back of Parliament House there? Why can't they do it there? You're right. There are other things that have probably made me grumpier this week. I tell you what, I am pretty pretty amused by some of these rumours that are still continuing about Daniel Andrews. They just get more and more ridiculous. No sooner than one is disproven and knocked down that people look you in the eye and tell you about another one and actually believe it. I mean, being working in the AFL and working in footy, I know how ridiculous and terrible these rumours can get and how completely out of hand. And just because about one in 20 turns out to be true, I, I find it quite extraordinary, some of the well, rumours about Dan, well, Daniel Andrews. Me, media advice to the Premier, when you come back to work in the next few days, whenever that is, the first thing you do is you just address minute by minute what happened because all of Victoria needs to, it needs to know because all of this gossip and this rubbish has to stop it's just it, it people are becoming obsessed by it i think because they're so agitated about lockdown the focus of their energy the punching bag has become daniel andrews and his private life and what they think happened anyway that's for another time Kara, off to six quick questions for red energy and my first question to you and i was really curious why you wanted me to ask you this have you ever come close to breaching a suppression order? It's topical, isn't it, because of the um, heavy fines that have been directed at both News Corporation and, of course, Nine Media, The Age, over uh, George Pell. But I remember um, a few years ago, and it wasn't that long ago, I was talking, I think I was talking to a, um, someone in the police force, and I found out that there was this threat to the MCG that had taken place before, uh, it was one of the Sydney West Coast Grand Finals, so it must have been in, you know, around 2005 or six, um, where a terrorist cell had been operating out of Victoria and was going to basically blow up the MCG. And I was like, oh my God, that's an unbelievable story. (laughs) Sorry to laugh, obviously laughing because it never happened. And I rang the sports editor and I had had it all confirmed. I rang, um, I think I I must have rung Andrew Demetriou and he confirmed it all. And he, you know, and I started writing the story and it was just all confirmed, as I say. And then um, somebody in, um, I think it might have been the Australian Federal Police, got in touch with The Age and said, are you insane? You know, three political journos already know about this story. There is a suppression order. We're not allowed to talk about it because this terrorist cell is still, you know, being pursued. Anyway, um, and then I rang um, the AFL back and they said, oh, yes, look, um, there's a suppression order out about it. So I thought I had this fantastic story, but um, we did come close to publishing because the chain of command had sort of gone a bit AWOL, but luckily um, all was good. Caro, do you think think in... The AFL buried the lead in their conversations with you somewhere there? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the better news is that, you know, the MCG was <laughs> was not bombed on grand don't final you, day. I'm sorry to laugh. Well, Andrew Demetrio is sitting back trying to cope with the fact that the MCG might be bombed. Don't you think he'd sort of say, oh, yeah, and by the way, Cara, you know that this is all hush-hush, don't you? Well, I've, I've got, yes, I, I, it, I did... Um, I think he sort of assumed that I would know that, which is probably fair enough. But there, but there we are. Now, Corey, I suspect I know the answer to this question, but whose return to the public stage this week sent you running from the room? Well, if you suspect correctly, I'm not sure why you asked me, because every time I mention his name, you go, oh, God, and roll your eyes. Carol, no, did I don't you see blame, the former I don't blame U- you, Corrie. Did, did you see the former US President Donald Trump on the telly the other night? My first thought was, why, why is he back and why are we covering him? But 
I have to say, actually, in, in news journalist defence, I think probably when the former president of the US speaks about uh, topics, including the, 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 he says the result was wrong and that they're going to claim the White House back quicker than we think, well, that's a bit of a, mm, FBI, are you listening? Please note. Anyway, Donald Trump was back in the spotlight, North Carolina. He spoke at a state Republican Party convention. Carol, he spoke for 90 minutes. Don't you think you'd just be saying to the waiter, another shardy, please? This is... <laughs> anyway, people were applauding him, although apparently they didn't applaud him so much when he said that he'd done a terrific job with the coronavirus. But he said lots of stupid things like, he, you know, democracy in the US was being destroyed before our very own eyes, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that's it, me running from the room, I have to say. Now, Caro, will you join the... I think the, the bigger question is why the Republicans let him back. But anyway, go ahead. Well, what, that, what I, think we should, I think we should actually do uh, a little session on that in the next couple of weeks. Um, Caro, will you join the queue to see Hamilton, speaking of US politics? Look, I, I tried to see it when I was last in New York. Um, I've tried to see it twice in New York, in fact. Um, I'm, my sister, and I think, is going in Sydney in a week or two's time with my stepmother to see it. And some shows have been around for so long and you've heard so much about them, you sort of wonder in the end if you're not going to be a little bit disappointed. We've got to go and see Hamilton. Oh, we have got yep. to go and see Hamilton. Okay, all right. No, look, you're right. And I'm really glad it's coming to Melbourne, partly because, you know, it's great for our, you know, art scene and theatre scene and jobs, etc., etc., etc. But, um, yeah, okay, Corrie, we will. I suppose I'll join the queue. Now, which winter-inspired meal is currently on repeat in your kitchen? Well, apart from my 30 vegetables a week, um, risotto. Oh, yes, I agree. I've been making a lot of chicken stock lately. <sighs> I, I, know, I know that in the next couple of months, as winter goes on, I will get sick of this dish. This happens to me pretty much every winter, really. By the end of July, I can't look at another Arborio rice packet. But uh, over the weekend, we cooked risotto with pancetta and peas, which is just my favourite. Uh, I had some the absolute last of the basil. I don't know how it survived. And I also bought some from the supermarket and made up some pesto with Parmigiano Reggiano and everything. And we had that with the risotto. It's just the most warming, comforting, delicious food, isn't it? It is. It is. I've, I actually went to the Mushroom Man at the Paran Market today and bought, I said, which mushrooms are best for risotto? And it, great expense to the management. I'll be whipping up a mushroom risotto. That sounds a bit like week. in Shrek, you know, in Shrek. Have you met the Mushroom Man? The Mushroom Man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should see their mushrooms. Well, you, you obviously have. Have you met the, the Mushroom Man? He lives on Drury Lane. <laughs> Um, if you haven't seen Shrek Potties, you've got no idea what I'm talking about. Um, now, Caro, this, is, this, this question, I'm just so keen to hear the answer. What do you most fear? The fat cod in the Murray River, mice in country New South Wales, or spider crabs in Port Phillip Bay? Well, you realise you know you realise that this mouse plague is absolutely decimating farms across New oh. South Wales, and is and Shocking. it's it's crossed the Murray, which is a real worry, and. They, it is just absolutely heartbreaking, terrifying and disgusting. I absolutely loathe mice and it makes me sick whenever I see the reports about them. I'm not worried about the spider crabs. That It's spider crab season in Port Phillip Bay. They're quite cute little things and they tend to stick around piers and, you know, in, in slightly deeper water. I reckon we could cope with them. But what has really made me ill are those fat cod in the Murray because you know why they're so fat, don't you? Mm, they're eating all of the... All of the all of the life in the Murray. They're eating the mites, Corrie. They're all full of, full of mites. Oh, I didn't know so, that. Oh, there was a story the other night on the news. So they're pulling the cod out of the Murray and there's about eight or ten mites in each of the cod. Oh, it is just the most horrible sight. Anyway, so I reckon that's the worst, although I'm de dreadfully, dreadfully sympathetic to what people are going through with the mouth plague. Can I just interrupt quickly? My, my uh, dad lived in the Wimmera in the 1930s, famous Mallee Wimmera mice plague, and he can still remember the silos at the end of the road by the, by the railway track where all the wheat was stored were just squeaking all night, full of oh. mice, Caro, full of mice. 
Well, they they are just disgusting, and even even um, animal liberationists are agreeing that they have to go now. Which reel on Instagram to wind up? Are you absolutely fed up with seeing on your feed? Miss Jane is just going to give me a hint here with a bit of background music. Wow, you can really dance. Wow, you can really dance. Caro, have you seen <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> No. Shout out to Rosie and Oscar and Sunday. Uh, I think they they are from Holland, handsome dancer, coincidence. But it's gone nuts via TikTok. And every time I go onto my Insta reels, I'm watching nurses in COVID wards in the US doing, wow, you can really dance. And I'm watching German couples. I'm watching kids in Spain. I'm watching dads and their babies. I'm watching Koreans. I'm watching Aussies. I'm watching Singaporeans. It sounds like you're really enjoying it. No, 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 the whole thing is, though, I don't know why it's on my reel. I must have watched one once thinking, what is this? And now, of course, every time I go into the reels, they all kind of pop in. I asked my son, Will, who is way more tech savvy than I this morning, hey, do you get this? You get what, what have you logged on to? I went, no, I haven't logged on to it. It just <laughs> arrives. These people are oh, tormenting dear. me. Anyway, on that tormented note, hopefully, Caro, imagine we'll be in person together next week. Do you think that's possible? I think that's very possible and will probably happen, and I'm very much looking forward to it. We are too. Miss Jane, thank you so much, not just for today, but the last few weeks when you have just climbed such technical heights getting Caro and me together via laptops and phones and things. Thank you, Janie. You're doing an incredible job. And thank you, of course, to our podcast sponsors red energy 100 australian electricity and gas and of course prince wine store our great friends with the great grog you can connect with us potties through instagram at don't shoot pod and facebook of course and twitter and if you want to get the show notes just hit the sign up button on facebook page or contact jane at feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au if you have any trouble there. Of course, we do have a little bonus episode during the footy season. It's our footy tipping competition. Caro, it's been great having a chat. Happy birthday again, my friend. And what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131 806 for real Aussie energy. And Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world. For all things home design, enjoy Homestyle with me, Shana Blaze. All the ideas and inspiration you need for your home, DIY design projects and expert advice. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series, available from wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.